Hello and welcome to Dodecahedron, a podcast by, for, and about role players. I'm Jess Vetters. And I'm Colin Lameau. Every week we get together to talk about a range of gaming related topics from creating a character to running a game and what it all means for people who share a favorite hobby. We may not be experts, but we do have pleasant voices and a wealth of gaming experience that we're eager to share with you. Our topic today is campaign length, but before we get into it, Colin, Mm -hmm. I have really sad news. That, that disheartens me. What, unburden yourself. See, this campaign that I've been in, well, it's technically two campaigns with the same group of people. We just swap out one person and a system. Uh, But for about two years that we've been going, it's been the core group of about five of us. And Mm -hmm. at the end of next week, well, really, next Wednesday is our last session with one of our players actually being there in person. Ooh. She's moving 900 miles away. Oh, new job or just change of atmosphere? A little bit of both. It's uh, family moves and all of that stuff. It's all, like, personal reasons, and it really impacts my life because in one of our campaigns, he's our rogue, and in the other one, he's our barbarian and the only tank. And now I'm trying to figure out how are we going to fill that gap? I mean, now, hopefully, he's going to be able to remote in, and it won't be a problem. Do do you have any other remote ins at this time? We actually do. We've got somebody who uh, plays in one of the campaigns, and he remotes in from, um, I want to say, Delaware. It's a friend of a friend situation. I literally only know him through the context of the campaign and, like, now being Facebook friends, but... It's just one of those things where it's a little bit of a paradigm shift uh-huh. going from a purely in-person game to now we're going to have a couple of people coming in. Actually, I'm very interested in that. And before we get into our, our subject, that I'd like to I'd like to actually query that. And maybe this is a, a longer podcast elsewhere. But uh, while the thought has occurred to me, uh, I've found that it can be difficult sometimes to remote in people when you are um, gathered together and you you Skype somebody in. Is a uh, it's it's difficult to moderate the volume on Skype as one as oneself uh, or or through some sort of a messenger system. So any side conversations that are happening in character would be loud enough to sort of dominate the situation itself. How do you uh, how do you compensate for some of the things that, um, you know, would be difficult uh, when you've got um, like a mixed party of how people can interact with the game? Right, right. Well, this is one of the things that's actually worrying me about it because we have just made the switch over to Discord from Skype um, to bring in our other person who is playing remotely. And as of the one session so far where we've actually used it, it's been very successful. However, that one player is probably the one who does the least, like, actual conversation-y role-playing, whereas the guy that we're losing, or rather, I should say, the guy who's moving away, is generally a lot more active in the character-to-character conversations. Mm, uh Uh-huh. So one of the things that I always try to do when we've got one player coming in through Skype or Discord or what have you is 
manufacture opportunities as a player because I don't run either of these games. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I try to bring them along if I'm going somewhere. I try to engage them in the conversations just so like, just so the person on the other end of a computer isn't just sitting there watching us play for three hours. Right, exactly. And that's the unfortunate reality of what I have experienced uh, with mixed, uh, gosh, what, what do I want to call it? Mixed uh, agency? Mixed, mixed medium? Uh, Ooh, mixed, mixed medium. Mixed medium. I like that a lot. Ah, all right, yeah, mixed agency. Uh, with with uh, a, a vocal buy-in, you lose all the physicality and emotionality that you kind of put in your character, except for the uh, the way that you you can you can communicate through your voice and your voice only. And I actually find that that can be uh, immensely disconnecting. Maybe just for me uh, personally, and and as a DM for me personally, uh, there, there's so much that I don't know that's going on with the other person just uh, just across the screen. Oh, absolutely. And especially the way that you and I tend to play, where it's very emotive and it's an acting exercise throughout the entire game. Exactly. We never really hit that point where, like, you can just sit back and not really worry about what's being done so much as, like, I shoot my bow and arrow and it dies. Mm. Like, those moments do absolutely come in. And when it comes down to combat, we have found that there is... With the exception of the roles maybe being not 100% legitimate, <laughs> that's its own whole topic, uh, there's been no hiccups in playing combat. It's literally just character-to-character -character moments and figuring out, like, what's actually going on here and how much of the conversation that these two players just had did you actually pick up on? Right, yeah. Um, inevitably there is going to be mic checks and um, hardware and software failures where you'll be like, oh, sorry guys, we're going to have to run that conversation again so we can hear it. Or mm -hmm. uh, it, it, The immense problem that I believe sort of presents itself in the mixed medium and the mixed agency uh, formula is... It, it comes down to when the person on the other end of the screen is is talking and conversating, their conversation needs to become the focus of of of, of kind of what is of, of what is going on because there's so much interpretation that needs to go into the things that they cannot adequately communicate. Oh yeah, anytime where it's like especially and I will fully admit I'm bad about this. But if the person on the other end of the computer is having a conversation with a DM-run NPC and I have something that I want to say to one of the other player characters, fighting the temptation to just like, hey, we're going to have our little side conversation here and I'm just going to talk softly so we're not bothering the microphone. God, that's so hard to do. Yeah, it and also... so hard to fight against. The microphone picks it up and it, uh... It, it will still transmit it as a weird underlying whisper. And I don't know, in person, you can kind of just get around it. You're just like, whatever, I'm just having this own personal conversation over here. But if your DM's voice and the whispers are coming out of the same speaker, it's it's difficult without seeing what's going on to know exactly uh, what your position uh, Absolutely. is. Absolutely. And, you know, that's, 
that's something that we'll talk about more once we start talking about remote gaming as its own topic. Hmm. That's that is that is a whole that is a whole ordeal. Yeah, I feel like with the right setup, we could probably talk for a good hour and fifteen minutes on that if we really wanted to. Ah, good hour and fifteen minutes of our sultry tones. Don't you just love our sultry tones? <laughs> we've lost, we've lost listeners. <laughs> <laughs> All right, campaign length. Let's talk about campaign length. Yes. So, the longest running campaign that you have ever been in, Jess, I believe that that is the one that you are in now. Uh, it did officially eclipse most of the stuff that we were in in high, or high school. Goodness yeah. gracious, what am I? College. Uh, <laughs> as far as a number of sessions, like length of campaign game goes yeah let's put a ballpark on that how many how many sessions and about how long uh do each sessions go i mean like give me a round number I, I doubt you've been counting but give me a round number uh you know i actually could have counted uh with some accuracy because i keep dated notes at this point so i know in one of my notebooks which started in late 2015 i have done uh, i believe it is 40 sessions Hmm. and that's roughly every other week for at the lowest like two hours and at the highest like four and a half Uh over the course of about two and a half years now granted we are alternating campaigns and sometimes we don't make a week but i in april it will be three years with my pathfinder campaign provided we all survive that long What level did you guys start at, and where are you now? That's actually a really interesting point, because I started with Rion, my paladin, at third level, and currently we are still only at ninth. Hmm. It's been very slow, like, epic length progression. Uh, Do you Uh, guys use experience? Not so much in like a very literal sense it's kind of plot based leveling milestones yeah basically ah, the we milestone, milestone leveling yes 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 i'm familiar with that uh it's it's the leveling that i made use of when i played the game mostly because i don't like numbers or um setting up specific encounters based around the numbers in order to figure out where the leveling was going i just you know you you accomplished a great and epic quest i believe that you are strong enough and mighty enough that you will have necessitated another level learn some spells exactly i never really got into the whole like you killed four kobolds here's so many points of experience because we can numerize and put down every codified iteration I, I just throw out a bunch of words that don't actually mean anything right there. No, no, yeah, but you know what? You tried to pull it off. You tried to pull the it intention. off. You should have just committed. You're right. I should have. Yeah. I should just get committed. Yep, just just commit. <laughs> uh, the, the biggest problem that I personally had with the experience system is that it tended to present enemies or even living beings as uh, uh, numbers with legs uh where 
the point was about getting in as many encounters as you could with your resource allocation. It became more of a strategy game of numbers rather than a, a role-playing, a story-based game. Right. And if you want that game with a Dungeons and Dragons sort of experience in particular, there is something for that, and oh, it's yeah. called World of Warcraft. It's also <laughs> there. Also, if you play Dungeons and Dragons by the book, there is a statistical and straight up by the numbers way that you can run through things. And some people are more successful at integrating roleplay with experience points and encounters than others. I just find that since my games send me more off the cusp and sort of evolve and change with player actions that I I, I prepare pre-things like uh, I, I do a lot of I, I don't do as much prep work in the sense of making um, stat blocks uh, as much anymore because I, I found that um, nothing vexes me more than setting up a storyline putting meticulous work into it and then the player characters at the very beginning go but Hey, that NPC with that cow that seemed sick, that 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 really resonated with me. See my character, he was a you know, he was a he was a farmhand. So uh, I, I I think as the leader of this party, we're going to go and help this peasant move their cow to another another town to have a priest bless yeah. the sickness out of it. Yeah. Like, but we definitely that's... need to spend the next 14 hours of in-game time dealing with this cow problem. But 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 there's there's the undead. Oh, the undead will sort themselves out. My character has faith in his god. He'll send somebody along, but this cow <laughs> will die. Can't do anything about the undead. They're already dead. But this cow, it still has a chance to live. Oh god, that sounds like actual conversations I've had with real life people. No, <laughs> uh, yeah, but I do I do get what you're saying because like especially the games that we used to play. You run jazz when it comes to a campaign. Like, it's very improvisational. Yes. It's very go with the flow. Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of people who prefer the more number-oriented gaming, it is a lot of planning, and it's very rigid, yeah. uh, which I feel like yeah. lends itself better to temporary or, like, short-term modules. Um, I hear a lot of people talking about this, and, like, I've run through it myself a little bit huh. uh, but curse of Strahd. okay i've heard of that so uh it's a well it's an older module that got revamped for D D 5 and is now available on like roll 20 and just every freaking place that you can get a campaign module Ooh. and people love it because it's a big and relatively quick and completely planned out campaign like, you will get through it in 10 to 15 hours, depending on how much your players fuck around. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. for for your college students who are like, all right, we're in the dorms all weekend. We're going to get a bunch of Mountain Dew and Cheetos and not leave the room until we all stink and hate each other. But, you know, we're like... very low opinion of college gamers. Hey, I have very specific memories of my own particular habits gaming in college. <laughs> I don't assume that everyone is like me, but I also don't assume that they're different. I see. You're, you're just hugging the middle of the road. You're covering all your bases. I'm covering at least two of them. Fair enough. I'm, a, I'm the shortstop in this metaphor. Of course, of course. But, you know, for uh, for more, like, 
adult age, I have a job, hobbyist types where you can play maybe once or twice a month. Something like that is still a very regimented campaign that you can get through in three or four sessions. Like, it's not going to be your big overarching let's play this forever game. I feel as though, and and roll with me for a moment here, I feel as though... I'll roll with you um, anytime. <laughs> I feel as though some of the regimented or planned out modules and adventures are better for those games that are um, in a sense uh, less uh, frequent uh, because for the DM, uh, if the game is entirely improvisational and you have to stop and wait a couple of weeks, you might forget all of the things that you were thinking about doing specifically and need to kind of reinvent the wheel. Whereas in the module, you know where you've left off and there is material right in front of you of how you continue it. And you can just jump right back in. Oh, definitely. And I got to say, I, I feel almost personally attacked <laughs> by that <laughs> because... Um, I actually tried to run a little bit of a side campaign so that I could give the DM couple that I play with a little bit of a break mm -hmm. and let both of them play together in a game. Uh, mm -hmm. So it was going to be related to one of our campaigns, but dealing with completely different characters and all of this. Sure, Same sure, world, sure. like a couple of crossovers. That's the whole thing. Yes, yes. We got through one session. I had taken, well... Not not exactly taken. I had prepared extensive details on several locations and characters and all of this. And we played for like three or four hours that first night. Got to a good one third of the way through what I thought we would do. Like for the overall campaign, not for okay. that session. All right, all right. And I didn't take a single note while I was DMing. Oh and I realized at the end of the night, neither had any of my players. Ah, crap. And the best part is we played that game. At this point, I think it might be four and a half months ago. <laughs> I have no recollection of what we actually went over. So, like, oh boy. that campaign might just get completely rebooted that's um that's that's usually why i ask my players to take some notes for me uh just jot down the names of important npcs because uh the next session i'll be like mm, what's her name ah uh, that 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 girl that totally screwed you over and somebody oh uh, is it this person that i've got ran on my sheet that's the one that's that's specifically the one thank you mm -hmm. and then i roll on from there but it really suits me to have um the ability to run, I get to run my games every week. I've been fortunate enough that I have a schedule and a player base that can still meet once a week reliably for our for our games, which really suits my improvisational style. So I don't have to go super long between sessions. Uh, it's 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 long enough that I can come up with more ideas, and it's short enough that I don't forget what happened. Yeah. Now, I do remember you ran a very peculiar little game for um, myself and a couple of friends of ours, and we basically hammered it out over the course of, what, three days while I was home for Christmas? 
Ah, yes, yes, yes. I remember that. It was a it was a very particularly interesting little campaign run through World of Darkness, and mm. the reason I call it interesting is because I'm not used to having a very clear endpoint on a role playing story. Because like, yeah. as long as the character is alive, I like being able to come back to them and continue to use them and. That is how we left off. Like, two of the three player characters survived the encounter and were obviously going into something else. Yeah. And that's kind of where it gets into the rub, because we did start the next campaign and then haven't played that in a year or more. Oh boy, Almost. has it been that long? It's probably no, no. It was like February. Okay, well, I, I should, I should really, I should really try to find a time to get you and you and B back on that. I actually do remember where you were going, and I remember that. I remember enough of. Strangely enough, I remember where that game was going and what I had planned. See, that to me is fairly incredible because so do I, <laughs> and I think it's something about the way that it was set up, and it was like. We didn't have to worry about a lot of backstory. We didn't have to worry about bringing a lot of baggage into this because we knew who the characters were and they had operated together before, but it was a completely new story for them. It also helps uh, in my experience, and this is just this is just a, a, in terms of genre, it also helps when you're in a genre that you already kind of understand because you sort of live in it. So World of Darkness perpetuates itself off urban supernatural. So... Uh, it's just our world, but full of ghouls and ghosties, vampires, werewolves, yeah. and whatnot. So, in terms of details, you know how your player. You don't have to. You don't have to remember a fantasy kingdom. You don't have to remember specifically how weird magic works. You don't have to remember all of these made-up factions that don't have an analog in this world, and so you can't really like figure it all. It, it, it is just you're 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 in a state. You're doing a ghost investigation. All right, that's that's it. That's all you needed to know, and you 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 remember the last game they were in. That that's it. You're done. Yeah, and I think that is something that needs to be taken into account when you're looking at something like how long do we want to run this game? What's the game that you're playing? Because if it's something like World of Darkness, you can run the characters through their little town, whatever you have got set up. That can go completely indefinitely. I remember in high school that one of the first campaigns that I really started to run was this little city that I made up in Ohio, and I ran games in that city completely unrelated from each other, but using the same setting and a lot of the same characters for about five years by the end of it, through high school and a little bit of college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... Hmm. World you know, of Darkness lends itself to that nicely. I think in terms of campaign length, you have to ask yourself uh, a couple of questions. What you have to ask yourself is, uh, when will this story be told? What is the inciting incident and what do I believe is the ending incident? Some people plan things out all the way to the end. I like to have a vague idea of the themes and the sort of end I'm thinking I'm going for. For instance, I'm like, I want there to be a revelation involving um some sort of twist on religion and uh 
kind of undoing the perceptions the players have built through the rest of the game. Then I kind of have an idea, and I'm like, all right, I need to build up their perceptions first of a specific way of things in order for it to be dramatic when it is turned. So uh, I imagine I, I need... And, and the problem... And, and here is here is the crux of the point that I want to make, uh, is that it, it almost doesn't matter how long you expect your game to run because your players will determine the pace and how they interact, what the characters decide to do. If people show up on time, uh, if they bring food with them, how much table talk you have, all of these are elements that end up being small from session to session, but incrementally add up into huge swaths of time. Uh, for oh, actual story execution and campaign execution. Well, I mean, if you are showing up and you know you've got four hours, let's say it's like, our session is 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. on every other Tuesday. Right. If 25% of your time is spent doing, you know, table talk and dice rolls, that's an hour that you're not telling your story. Mm-hmm. And that, that is, that's how it goes down, especially if you can only get together with these friends uh, once every other week or, or even once a month. The, you'll have to accept that table talk is going to happen. Your friends, and, and really, you should really only be role-playing with your friends in the first place. But like, if you get together and like your friends are happy to be together, they want to they wanna catch up, they want to joke, uh, you have to, and here's, and here's a, a formula that I found worked for me if if you have a set gaming schedule um and you miss uh and you miss a week you should add on um estimate about an hour of table talk per missed session uh mm. in in order to get people in order to get people back on task people need to re-explain where things have gone they they've they've gotten involved in other things in the time uh in the time since that it's happened they want to catch up they haven't seen each other in an inordinately long time i estimate an hour to be safe until i get up to about two hours and then i throw on an extra 15 minutes for every session after that usually if we've gone like two months without running a session for a game i assume the game is dead I mean, that's not unfair. At that point, you've got to factor in how many of your players want to move on to something else, how many of them remember where you were, and how many of them care. How many of them can still be invested in a character that they've not been in the skin of or done anything with for uh, two months of time? You, you're, you just you cycle through things. You're not even thinking about it anymore. Well, and that's what makes this stuff that I've been running in lately. My goodness, I'm so slurry right now. Mm. Uh, Lay off the what sauce. makes the stuff I've... Ah, uh, you're right. The sauce of not getting enough sleep last night. That's, I'm pretty sure medically that's the same thing as hitting the real sauce. I mean... Cognitively. It's definitely provable that if I was driving right now, I could be considered impaired. But hey. There you go. Uh, but yeah, that's the interesting thing to me about this campaign that I've been playing in. Like, I've got one character in particular because I did switch my characters in the other campaign and that shook things up a little bit. Okay. But I've been playing Rion consistently for two and a half years at this point. Like our first session was in April of 2015 and we're recording this in October of 2017. 
And yes, I did just date this podcast, and no, it will not come out anywhere close to October. So oh, don't no. even worry your pretty little heads about that. You've let them see behind the curtain. Look how our sausage is made. Oh, we weren't ready for that yet. We don't have nearly enough people following. Whatever number it is. I I don't know. We're This will be released in the future. I, I'm just going to assume I want more. By the time we release this, we will have 10,000 listeners. Holy crap, that'd be great, but Calling that shot right now. It's going to go wide, but don't worry about it. It's going to go wide? It's not going to get off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Oh, goodness. What uh, the hell were we talking about? Oh, boy. Non-sequiturs can really get us off base. Where, where we were is uh, you were talking about how you felt like you were going to get into this problem um, with the... Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. So basically what it gets down to is like, I have had maybe one or two instances where I haven't sure. played Rion for about two months. And she's the easiest to come back to because her story's not done. Mm. And I will be perfectly willing to play that game until that story is done. But mm-hmm. that feeling of flightiness, of wanting something different and something new, is why we started a second campaign in the first place. Yep, yep, yep. And I, I think that's something that every group needs. What, the, the flightiness and the starting things new? Or consistent At, in their games? Well, both honestly there you go like even if you're running a bunch of one shots back to back there has to be there has to be something consistent about them otherwise you're asking a group of players to just start from carte blanche every time and that's exhausting it's and and we'll get into uh we'll get into some interesting some interesting more some more talks about character psychology and and the art character creation we've talked a little bit about it before but we could get into it quite a deep level more character creation is a well that we're going to keep coming back to oh yes it's it constantly delivers i know hmm, in terms of in terms of long-term sessions uh my rule of thumb is very simple short medium long uh and and long isn't even long long is just continuous am i running a short story something that i would read in a uh or something that i would read would i read a short story is this a bite-sized piece is this is this a short and sweet and fast story with a with a very with a very simplified or or rather or or rather very um is it the reader's digest version yeah 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 if there if there's Essentially, I'm asking myself, is this a story that I expect I would be able to watch in the space of a movie? Is this a story I would expect to watch in the space of a a season of a television show? Or is this a kind of story where I expect these seasons to be renewed and I haven't figured out what my end point is yet the players will lead me to the end point? That's what you have to decide about your story when you're going in. And don't 
get married to it, your answers will change. Maybe you start off with the imagination of this is going to be a short movie-sized version of a story. We're going to tell a story. It's going to be a couple of sessions long, bing, bang, boom, then we're done. But you fall in love with the characters. You fall in love with the plot. You're like, you know, I want to do more with these guys. Maybe I'll start another session and we've we've turned this now into a tv series now it's a mid-length session it's a number of different stories and maybe from there it turns into a grand epic now we're looking at multiple seasons and multiple episodes and constantly shifting focus and the growth of character start your game where you know it's going to begin and what i mean when i say this is if you're developing a short and sweet story. Start it short and sweet. Be fast to the action. Um, be fast to the resolution. Don't rush it, but pack the punches where you where you need to. And if it feels like it needs to be longer, let it be. And if it's medium, slow your roll to your action or be fast, but divide out the story with escalating points of contention. And if it is an epic, if you decide you want to run this two or three year long saga, this adventure where we are following these, these characters through multiple sessions, multiple weeks, so many hours, then make sure that you, for the love of God, don't rush things. You lose so much by not giving people time to marinate with their decisions. That is a creepy word to use, but I, I just, I just had dinner. Uh, so no, I mean like it's just there. Yeah, marinate is one of those ones that I heard in my acting classes all the time. I'm okay. totally showing my hand on this one. Marinate on that. I had one teacher who was just all about the food metaphors, and it was amazing. Ah, uh, very tasty am, glasses. I'm going to hit you with a hypothetical here. Ooh. Because oh. we've been talking a lot to specifically like people who are running campaigns about what to do, how to set up how to consider how long to take to tell your story but in terms of the players yes let's say you have entered you've entered a group mm. it's session zero and you're discussing who you're going to play and what the story is going to be and at some point the subject of how long do you want to get this going comes up right now, it's very, very easy for everybody to just sit around and say, like, oh, yeah, we can just keep this going as long as we want. Mm -hmm. But say you are the player who knows you get flighty. Yes. You want to do something different. You want to shake up the formula. How do you broach that subject to your storyteller or your DM who is sitting there saying, like, here's my big epic campaign? Well, honestly, I, I, I'd say just be honest. It doesn't have to be in front of everybody. You might just have to take the storyteller aside a moment to discuss with them. Or before the session even begins, it, if you're a player that's that's shown up for a game and already you're thinking of how you want to play a different game, then you should consider actually just talking to the storyteller about the fact that you're not really ready to play that game. You want to you wanna try to shake things up and do something a little different. Sometimes that means maybe finding a different group. Sometimes that means sort of swallowing that and trying to find a way to encourage those elements that you were looking for within this next iteration of character. 
The dialogue between a DM and their players must remain open and knowledgeable. You, you need to be able to communicate with each other. First of all, you should all be friends anyways. And second of all, you need to communicate. It, uh, I've said before that a role-playing game is less a chapter book being written by the DM and more a collaborative work of fiction being developed between a group of friends. And for any collaboration to work, there needs to be an open channel of communication. If you're uncomfortable with certain themes or you need other themes to show themselves in the fiction, ask for them. Work with your DM. It's, it's really the only way that everybody's going to remain happy. Now, I want to I grab onto something that you said a little bit earlier and that you just repeated right now. Ah, yeah. Grab. You should really only be playing with people that you're friends with. Mm-hmm. Now... I know this doesn't happen everywhere, but being in New York, there are a lot of gaming stores and things like that around here, and they're like meetup groups where sure. it's people who don't necessarily have a group of gaming friends that they can play with, but they'll meet up at a game shop with, you know, five or six relative strangers, and they'll run a game and see how that goes. Yeah. How do you have that conversation with someone who isn't your friend, someone you don't know? How do you walk into something and say, like, hey, we're here for a one-shot, right? And then everybody else is like, no, you're here for session 17 of this ongoing epic campaign. What are you doing? Oh, well, uh, I mean, at that point, you either walk out or you sit down for session 17 of that game. If you're not friends with them, you don't have the social capital to be able to have them make any decisions based on what you want. There's no need to. I mean, unless the DM is being paid or you're paying the DM, they don't necessarily have any reason to to capitulate to what you want, especially if they don't even know you. When you start with a new gaming group, it is of the assumption that if you continue to play with them for a while, they will end up your friends. And if they don't and they just remain strangers, then that's, well, I guess possible, but not something that I've ever encountered before. Generally, if you're playing with people for a while, you, you get to know whether you're going to be friends with them or not. And if they're not your friends, you don't usually stick around. Role-playing is a real damn fine way to make friends. It certainly is. Uh, it, it, challenges you, it challenges you to solve problems in creative ways. It challenges you to collaborate with others, to work on teamwork, to communicate, to joke, to share an adventure. And that is pretty good grounds for finding out whether somebody is compatible with a friend or not. That's just yeah. how I feel. <clears throat> no, and I think you're absolutely right about that. Yeah. I, <sighs> you just, you summed it up so succinctly that <laughs> I didn't really have a measured response to that in particular. So I just <laughs> kind of went, yeah. And just let it go at that. Good. And just, sometimes just that's going to happen. Yeah, that's... <laughs> sometimes that's just how it comes out. So oh, one of the last things that I want to tackle in terms of uh, campaign length is... Um, and this also may be another podcast, but let's at least touch on it now. We've talked about beginnings. Let's talk about endings because they all must come to an end eventually. Whether the fact that most games, most games that I have ever run, not ended at the end of the story, 
They have ended for some other reason, middle of the story. The story was never completed. They've simply dried up, blown away. I've had largely the same experience with campaigns ending. I think of everything that I've done, I've had maybe three or four experiences where the character's story actually came to an end, and mm. even then, it wasn't always the story came to an end. Right, right, right. So let's let's talk about endings. How do you end campaign? I have ended very few amounts, and rarely for very long. Usually if I get to the ending of a game, some sort of uh, iteration um, of the next one. For instance, the Star Wars game that we ran, the A-Team was... Uh, uh, we started with a group of younglings. The players were younglings that learned uh, how to be Jedi, became Padawans, ended up working together uh, and playing up through the Clone Wars and then Order 66, and then were adults afterwards, and eventually they pretty much all died together. Um, and that was a pretty discernible end. Pretty much all of the characters ended up dying at the end uh, yeah. in, in, kind of a, in kind of a heroic uh, a heroic last dish effort to destroy a, a facility in which had been reconditioning Jedi to become Inquisitors. Uh, and, and they ended up dying, and it was a very poignant, very emotional last session. Uh, but but we weren't we weren't done, and none of them wanted to be done. There were still like NPCs that were doing their own thing around the universe, stuff they were invested in. And so we talked about B team, and then eventually we'll be talking about C team. Um, hmm. and, and so essentially we run through the entirety, the Star Wars timeline from before the Clone Wars to, uh, after the, after, uh, after the last Death Star blew up and maybe we'll even go on to the Force Awakens. C-Team is, uh, set in the Rebellion era. We haven't started it yet or anything like that. I've taken a break from Star Wars for a while to run a Changeling the Lost game, which is... So, so beautiful and so, so lovely. And I will have to tell you much more about it in our next episode. I look forward to hearing about it. Yes, but... Uh, there is... Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to... There was one piece of input that I would like to add to that. Um, because, like, your Star Wars game ran for a while, I assume. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, the most succinct ending in a campaign that I've ever run came with a little game called dread mm. and if you've been listening to the podcast you know i've talked about this before it is a horror game where instead of dice rolls you pull blocks from a jenga tower and it lends itself very well to quick games like one night sessions are its forte and last halloween i ran a game that i'd written completely it was on a ghost cruise and it ended because two of the players got to the final goal. Because that's a game that's set up so that you have your inciting incident, you've got your all the middle bits, you've got the climax, and then you've got the denouement where someone escapes or everyone's dead. And it's very, very easy to reach the end of something that you know is going to be a one-shot, but it, when it comes to something that has length and it has stakes to the story that are not all easy to tell right away, 
you have to be so careful that when you get to that ending or whatever you think it's going to be, it is either satisfying or it is very clearly not done. You are done with it. Yes. I completely, I completely understand where you're coming from. Story endings are hard. Once you finish defeating the main boss, at what point in time, if there even is a main boss, at what point in time does the story conclude? Is it considered over or at least enough of an interlude to end the main sequence of action? Oh, yeah. Um, it's, there, is a, there is a certain art to it. Do you let the players uh, fix, like mop up the endings? Or do you hand wave the mopping up and, and sort of do an outro? What would you, how, how do you end things, Jess? What I prefer to do is once we have reached the canonical end, I'll say, like, here is the goal that you've been fighting to beat the entire time. And once you finish that goal, the campaign is done. But if you want to talk about what happens to the characters and what happens to the world after that, I love that. Like, those little gab sessions after the end of the campaign, those decompression moments, are hugely important to people feeling like their character has closure. Mm, yes, closure, very important. And you don't have to roleplay all of that out. Like, it doesn't have to be as big and bombastic and session-spanning as the campaign itself. But, but if you've got a character whose arc is, I want to beat the big bad because I need to go back home and avenge the death of my brother. And it's like, this is an unrelated thing to the main story that tied in somewhere if your DM is any good, but doesn't necessarily have to get solved at the same time. You've got to know, if you didn't avenge that death, you can go back after the campaign is done, and that storyline will get a satisfying conclusion. Yes. It can be as bombastic or not as bombastic as you want. Certainly, uh, judge your audience. Decide what your players might want, and if you've got the extra time to do it, give them the closure they want. They'll always remember that. Hmm. I will say, my closing thought is completely going off of that it all comes down to what are your players ready and willing to give you mm -hmm. because if you're picking up boredom and you're thinking man i'm only halfway through the campaign and it's been a year and you're seeing players that are itching to try new things maybe start up a side game maybe run a couple of one shots in between sessions just Give them something else to focus on so that when you come back to the main story, they're fresh on it. And if you are a DM that has to constantly work with completely new players all the time, use your best judgment. What works best for new people? If it's a longer game where you'll be seeing these people quite a bit, eventually you'll learn their practices and can adapt your campaign as it moves on. And if it's like a one-shot, you don't necessarily need their input. Use yours. What would be most exciting to you? And uh, piggyback off of their reactions. Yeah. And at the end of the day, just remember a lot more people like 
poker than they like risk. <laughs> with poker, you can win money. I mean, there's that, but you can also be done with poker in like 20 minutes if you want to be. You can be done with risk in a minute if you wanted to be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh, you're not wrong. <laughs> oh, you're not wrong. All right, I think that about sums it up for what I wanted to say this time on this topic. Colin, do you have any final thoughts for us? I'd say that in terms of campaign length, this podcast episode was just at the right length. Oh, oh, look at that, you sly dog. <laughs> I had to bring it around. I had to bring it around and tie it in. All right. So, from all of us here at Dodecahedron, I've been Jess. All two of us. I'm Colin. And, uh. God, did we come up with an outro yet? No. Still no outro. Let's say. Roll happy? Oh, that. 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 That's a. That's a strong no. We'll have a better one. You know what? I choose the outro next time. Yes, you do. All right, but for now, from us all at Dodecahedron, roll happy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm cutting this damn thing. (laughs) 